The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Got a lot happening in the sport right now. We've got two great guests, too. A first-time starter and one that's been with us many times. First-time starter is none other than Natalie Voss, who just won her first Eclipse Award for Media Eclipse, uh, the uh, news enterprise category for writing. Congratulations to her. We'll get to talk to Natalie. She's got an interesting background uh, in the horse business, uh, an interesting connection and in that she's uh, uh, married to a turf rider. And uh, after uh, Natalie tells us uh, not only about her getting into the business and the fact that she just got back from Australia, we'll talk more about uh, her award, which was called Something's Wrong With My Brain, The Lurking Danger of Concussion for Jockeys. And then a voice that's familiar to you, and that's none other than Rich Ng from Las Vegas, where the National Handicapping Championship Tournament is going to be taking place. Of course, uh, Rich uh, works for the Las Vegas Review, but he also mans the daily racing form there. So uh, he'll be uh, tied on and uh, be very busy uh, during the, the, the days ahead. So uh, Rich Eng will be our second guest. And after we talk a little bit about Oh, the Eclipse Awards, what's going on in Vegas. Uh, we're going to take a look at um, race from Santa Anita. It is the Santa Monica Grade 2, a short but classy field. And then two points races for both the Kentucky Derby and the Oaks. The Oaks will be the Silver Bullet Day. I believe going to get 10 points. And how about this? The favorite here might be tough to beat. That's right. A full sister to a Kentucky Oaks winner, Untapped, a daughter of Tappet, out of Broodmare of the Year, Funhouse. That's the girls' division. The boys, it's called Le Compte. It's a grade three. And uh, some interesting horses coming here. Lightly raced, but certainly looks like there's a lot of talent in there. And Steve Asmussen could have a one-two punch. He's got a long shot I like in there called Totality. That looks like he's got a lot of upside going long. It's going to stretch out to a mile and 70 in the LeComp. So make sure this weekend that you pull down your easy win forms. As you know, I like to tell you about some of the winners we had since uh, we did go out to uh, Santa Anita last year. We had a $1.00. Super high five, make that last week, $4,873. There's going to be some great racing at Gulfstream. It's Sunshine Millions weekend. And we had a $1 trifecta key that returned $4,742. Two more hits at Gulfstream on the 14th. A $1 pick three paid $3,288. And just today, we had a $1 Super 5, $2,540. Go to winningponies.com and pull down the easy win forms. Hope you catch one of those big winners. Well, as I stated, Gulfstream Park is going to have a big weekend. Uh, the Sunshine Millions Classic, though, uh, there were some, I guess, strained relationships with some of the Horsemen's Association, and they were expecting to get purses totaling 900000 uh, and it looks like it's going to be more like 600000 but that doesn't change the fact that 
they're going to be running some really nice races with some solid fields. Uh, you've got the quarter million dollar Sunshine Millions Classic. Uh, then you've got the uh, the Sunshine Millions Distaff that carries a two hundred thousand dollar purse. The Sprint one hundred and fifty thousand, and the Sunshine Millions Turf one hundred and fifty thousand. Also at one hundred fifty thousand, the Sunshine Millions. Philly and Mare Turf. And don't forget Oaklawn Park's up and running. You might want to pull down some sheets for them. Get the easy win forms. Hopefully we can get you in the cashier's line. All right, hats off to Nick Zito. He saddled his 2,000th winner on the 16th at Gulfstream Park, where a horse went wire to wire by the name of Forever Plus. Uh, Zito, of course, uh, he's stating that feels great it's been a long journey but we're probably at the top of the stretch i guess he means concerning his career but what a career it's been i mean his uh, victories include a pair of triumphs in the kentucky derby with strike the gold 1991 go for gin in 1994 uh, he won the preakness with louis cortez in 96 and he won the belmont breaking a lot of hearts with birdstone in 2004 and deterra in 2008 let's not forget birdtown 2008 took home the Kentucky Oaks. He's also had some Breeders' Cup victories. Storm Song in 96, Juvenile Phillies. War Pass, who won the Bessemer Trust Juvenile, as it was named then. Now, for those of you that want to be watching the Eclipse Awards that Natalie Voss is going to be getting and that a lot of divisional champions are going to be getting, uh, there are going to be several opportunities. It's going to be on TVG2 if you get that, but... Uh, there's also going to be outlets at uh, www.rtntv where you can get it uh, on your desktop and golfstreampark.com is going to have it and drf.com and nbcsports.com. So you've got your choice of what outlet you want, but you can watch the Eclipse Awards live. Now, the $12 million Pegasus Stakes uh, starting to come up rather quickly. And it uh, looks like Arrogate sailed through a, another uh, great uh, workout. He just keeps going uh, better and better. He went five furlongs in one minute, two-fifths, and just sailed by the horse that he was trying to uh, to catch the fastest of 35 works on Sunday. So Baffert, very happy to uh, see what his uh, student is doing. Once he starts breezing, I can tell how he's moving. A lot of it's just by visual. So uh, it looks like he will uh, probably, at first they weren't 100% sure, but it looks like he is going there. Also going there, of course, we know he's already down in Florida. California Chrome had another good work himself, a five furlong work in a minute three-fifths. And they say that he went really smoothly, did uh, put blinkers on trainer Art Sherman uh, just to get him focused and wanted to wind him up a little bit. Of course, this will be California Chrome's final start before he goes to stud at TaylorMade Farm. So there's no reason for keeping any gas in the tank. They're going to be all out to win the Pegasus. Of course, uh, Todd Pletcher's always loaded for bear. He has uh, stable mates, uh, Neolithic, uh, that plans to, to go in there and... Uh, he also, Stanford, uh, will be in the gate, he hopes. So uh, let's not forget the breaking Lucky uh, became acquainted with Gulfstream Park in the paddock. He's the horse that uh, was just recently purchased and is coming down from Canada. Now, a horse that may 
or may not be in the gate is Gunrunner. At first, we thought he wasn't going to make it, but now they're saying that uh, there's going to be an end to the quarantine at the fairgrounds. So they're kind of tiptoeing. Of course, it it all started right around Christmas, and no horses have been able to come or go on the grounds of the fairgrounds. But uh, it looks like uh, just uh, a week or so prior to the Pegasus that the gates will be open. They say they've been training Gunrunner all the way up as if he's going in the Pegasus. But uh, what they're not 100% sure of is what tracks might not be allowing horses from the fairgrounds on the grounds. But that's yes to be seen. I'm sure that Gulfstream would love to see such a talented performer as uh, Gunrunner. So, uh They say he's wound up and ready to go. Still waiting for word on Noble Bird. They're trying to get him into the the Pegasus. So uh, also a prayer for relief. Uh, was is sitting on the fence trying to get him in. As you know, there's still some open uh, situations where people are looking for horses to take their start in the gate after anting up a million dollars. Okay, where is this year's most probably Champion two-year-old going to start? Well, looks like his season debut for Classic Empire is going to be in the Holy Bull. So uh, I don't think there's any uh, doubt that he's going to get the uh, the uh, nod uh, to uh, win, not only win the Eclipse, but to move on there. Trainer Mark Cassie uh, says that, uh, you know, the way he's been breezing, he's ready to go. It's the uh, $350,000 Holy Okay, so uh, again, that's that's the news on the uh, two-year-old champ and where he will be making his debut. Hats off to another Cajun connection. That's right, Jockey of the Week goes to Kendrick Karamuch. Three stakes wins over the holiday weekend. Jockey of the Week. He led all American jockeys in stakes earnings for the week with 198000 from his four stakes mounts. Friday the 13th was actually a lucky day for Karamooch. He won the $100,000 ladies handicap aboard Wonder Gale. Uh, 13-length winner at Aqueduct. And then on Sunday, his second stakes win was in the $100,000 Busanda with lockdown. And uh, he defeated heavily favorite Libby's tail in there. And then the only graded stakes of the weekend was at Aqueduct. He won with Green Grotto in the $100,000 toboggan on Monday. So congratulations. Uh, you've heard the story before. Karamooch uh, uh, started riding when he was 10 years old down in Louisiana, started galloping horses when he was 12, and at the age of 16, rode his first race at Delta Downs. So uh, another Cajun rider in the saddle. Well, here's a happening that's close to my heart. Uh, Looks like they're going to exhume the body of Glacial Princess. The name may not be familiar to you, but if you lived in the Midwest during the uh, mid-80s, you certainly knew who she was. Uh, She was a two-time Ohio Horse of the Year. She was buried at Beulah Park, but as you know, Beulah Park's closed. Mahoning Valley is now open. They run the Glacial Princess Stakes, and uh, so uh, a group of uh, concerned horse lovers got together and got permission from the powers-to-be at Grove City and whoever uh, maintained the property at Beulah Park, which is uh, scheduled to be raised. They're still not sure if it's going to be a park or be uh, commercial, but nonetheless, uh, our friend Michael Blowen said, well, if she's going to be leaving Ohio, she's more than welcome to come here 
uh, two old friends. So she'll be uh, moved down there once they exhume her, her body. Uh, if you got to watch on uh, MLK Day down at Oaklawn Park, uncontested, was uncontested, pretty much wire to wire, and just romped in the Smarty Jones Stakes. So he's going to be one to watch as those races uh, ramp up at Oaklawn Park. They have a great series uh, leading up to the Kentucky Derby. So uh, right now he got points in that race. He ranks fourth with 11 points on the leaderboard for that 143rd Kentucky Derby. Well, uh, let's see how the stakes from last week. We had a good friend, Pete Aiello, helping us handicap from Gulfstream. He's going to be really busy this week with the Sunshine Millions. Uh, we did look at the uh, Fort Lauderdale stakes of grade two, and uh, they did go on the turf, and it was flatline at 15 to 1. You got to watch those horses for course. This horse loves Gulfstream and loves the distance. You put those two combinations together. Only missed by a neck, we noted. Last time out, what the El Prado stakes, and that was at seven furlongs. This one going a mile and a 16th. Flatline has now won four times at a mile and a 16th. So hats off to him. And he was second to the British bred. L. Menar, a Chad Brown trainee. Then also at Gulfstream Park uh, with Mr. Aiello, we took a look at the Hales Hope. And the winner in there, Tommy Macho. Uh, what a race. If you go back and watch this one on television, uh, he may have clipped heels and he kind of stumbled uh, and dropped back into fifth going around the turn. Somehow he found a new gear. And uh, Tommy Macho under... Uh, Luis Saez got the job done. Remember, he was coming back after a long layoff after knee chip surgery. So there were uh, two of the top races that we handicapped at Gulfstream Park with Pete Aiello. Don't forget the Sunshine Millions coming up on Saturday. And coming up with us here after this first break is going to be none other than Natalie Voss, a writer for the Pollock Report. But she's got a very interesting background, and she's just coming back from a very interesting, perhaps we could call it vacation, in Australia. Thanks for listening to the National News segment. We'll be right back with Eclipse Award winner Natalie Voss. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. 
That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, uh, someone I've known for several years, and you could tell she was going to be a rising star, and as it turns out, uh, she sure uh, rose pretty fast as a uh, Natalie Voss is going to receive an Eclipse Award a little bit later in the uh, month uh, down at Gulfstream Park. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about her story, Something's Wrong With My Brain, The Lurking Danger of Concussions for Jockeys. But before we get to that, I want to learn a little bit about the background. Natalie Voss, welcome to Winning Ponies. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. I'll bet it is. I bet it, and I know. I know you're a little bit jet lagged because you're just getting back uh, from from the sale uh, down in in Australia. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but before we do, kind of take us back to your uh, national velvet roots and kind of your your early ties with horses and how <laughs> you eventually migrated to uh, Lexington slash Georgetown, Kentucky. Well, um, as long as I can remember, I've been fascinated by horses and no one really knows where this comes from. Um, I don't have any relatives who are in the horse business or in the thoroughbred business. Uh, A lot of people think that I'm related to Tom Voss, uh, the Maryland and Virginia-based trainer, but I'm actually not. Um, So I don't really know where it came from, but um, I was fascinated by horses and fascinated by um, watching the Kentucky Derby on TV when I was very small. And I don't think my mom quite realized that sort of letting me continue to watch the Triple Crown every year was ultimately going to lead to my wanting to work with horses. But um, I grew up riding um, hunter jumpers. And uh, as soon as I had the opportunity to come out to Kentucky for school, I did that and sort of developed my interest in, in thoroughbreds and tried every sort of segment of the business that I thought might be interesting, and I finally settled on writing. So here I am. <laughs> now, as I understand it, originally you just interned with the Pollock Report. Yes. When I was still in college, I um, just sort of emailed them out of the blue, and I think that they were maybe in their second year at that point of operations. It was still just Ray and um, Brad Cummings. And they sort of looked around and said, well, we've never had an intern before, but we sure could use some help doing just about everything. So sure, come and write headlines for us. So I did that for several months and then moved on to a different internship and they needed a a more part-time person. And it just was, luckily it worked out so that I could go back a few years later and, and work as an actual writer for them. Well, it certainly worked out great. And and quite frankly, I've been here uh, looking at the Pollock Report since its conception. We had Ray on last week who had many fine things to say about you, Natalie. And uh, it is really neat to watch how the whole site has grown over over the years. Uh, Certainly, uh, you guys are staying busy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really kind of crazy to think about because when I first interned for them, I think that they still just had like the three-column format and it was just links to outside stories with very occasional sort of original content. And to go from that to the really slick professional publication that it is now, I, I don't think Ray ever imagined that happening. And certainly it would have been sort of beyond what I could have seen coming even at the time. But I did know that I wanted to work for really experienced people that were passionate about the, the business of writing about racing. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I kind of went from an equine version of the Drudge Report, and right now it's nothing like drudgery going to that report because they are just all over the place. And as a matter of fact, it's got a, a nice international flair, and I just wanted to go a little bit to uh, your your recent trip uh, down under uh, to, to the sale of which I was you know, reading about your, your travels. Uh, it was the Magic Millions sale that I guess has kind of been launched uh, into the spotlight from some of its graduates, and but I thought it was kind of neat, Natalie, uh, some of the things that you found different than the sales in North America and some of the things that you, you found uh, were alike in the, the, the sales process. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I had a lot of people say to me, sort of a yearling sale is a yearling sale, and for the most part, yeah, there were a lot of basic things that were the same, but it just seemed to be a little bit more sort of open to me, just the way that they tended to to do things. I think one of the things I pointed out in, in that article was um, re- reserves are public information. If a horse doesn't make his reserve, then they show you the last bid and they show you the reserve price. So when you go back there, you know exactly what you're dealing with if you want to make a private deal. There were kind of just small differences like that that were really kind of interesting because I've been covering the sales here in the U.S. for several years now. And so it was interesting to see how somebody else approaches a very similar task. Well, I, I liked your very last point that you made uh, as you kind of highlighted uh, similarities and differences, and that's the social and theatric element. Can you describe that to our listeners? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's incredible. The um, The Gold Coast yearling sale sort of takes place on this stage, which is a little bit bigger than what they usually have here in the U.S., but the, the main difference is it's this enormous sort of room um, inside, the closest thing I can think to compare it to is an airplane hangar, but it's probably not quite that big. Um, and they have these dining tables set up kind of all around the stage that the horse is actually on. And people just kind of, you know, sit there for the entirety of the sale. And, and they're having meetings about different horses and they're having this very lovely catered lunch. And it sort of, I think, is trying to foster the business of, you know, this is already a very social sort of event in a very social kind of business. Let's just make it easy for people to do that while they're they're available to bid on horses. And, and I imagine that it's possible partnerships come out of that more easily because everyone's kind of all right there. And it's it's very interesting. And also, I think one thing I maybe left out of the story was because uh, the, they've got this vast amount of space with all these dining tables, they have tons of bid spotters and they're super enthusiastic like they just get like five of them will go off at once and just the the level of just joy every time they get a single bid is kind of amazing to watch it adds to the theater of it for sure well, uh, let's get back uh, to your uh, Eclipse of Winning story. Congratulations on the Media Eclipse Reward. Uh, something's wrong with my brain, the lurking danger of concussions for jockeys. And I urge people to Google it and go get it. And as you know, in this day and age, that's easy enough. But you kind of told a, a part of the story through the life of retired jockey Gwen Jackson. Can you kind of tell us about the introduction and what you drew from the, uh, her? Yeah, so um, Gwen has been retired from riding for, gosh, I should know off the top of my head for sure, but I think it's about 10 or 15 years. Um, And she had a a pretty full career. She was galloping horses on the track as well as riding as a jockey. And she said when she retired, it was, um, she told people she just didn't really want to do the job anymore. But in reality, she felt like just some of her cognitive functions weren't quite right anymore. And she didn't really know what was going on. And it sort of wasn't until there was a lot of uh, information in the media about the impacts of chronic head trauma with relation to football players that 
her doctors started thinking about her history of um, head and spine trauma as far as trying to diagnose some of the disorders that she has developed since she stopped riding. Um, and they can't sort of officially diagnose her with the same thing, the chronic traumatic, traumatic encephalopathy that is a problem with football players, but they're pretty sure that's what's going on there, which I think raises some interesting questions about, you know, how many other riders could be suffering from health effects from injuries that were not recent, but were, you know, possibly years ago that are still kind of messing with their ability to just live their daily lives. Yes, uh, it was about two months ago I had, uh, I believe it was Dr. Carl Maticola uh, on the show, and he was telling us how uh, they're starting out in Kentucky to develop, just like they have in most professional sports, an actual concussion protocol that jockeys soon are going to have to undergo if they want to ride in the bluegrass state. Yeah, um, I think Kentucky begins that this year, and then um, Maryland has uh, sort of a protocol, and they work with some sports medicine doctors at their tracks to kind of coordinate with stewards and coordinate with jockeys' um, medical teams to determine when it is safe for them to return to the saddle if they've had a concussion. Or I think in, in Maryland it can be any type of injury, but they're especially concerned about returning to work following a head trauma. Well, I just think it's going to be a, a real challenge because, as you know, when you uh, watch the jockeys parade out to the paddock, they're probably representing about uh, eight different countries and obviously different languages. Uh, it's 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 going to be something else to to develop the protocol. But from what I understand is, if you don't uh, at least do the baseline test, uh, you're not going to be able to uh, ride in Kentucky. Yeah, I, I think that that's going to be the case. And from what I understand, there has been a little bit of concern from the riders that they don't necessarily understand that the baseline test is going to be used as a reference point should they get hurt. I think there's still kind of this belief that you, it's possible to fail the baseline test and then you might get into trouble or you might not be able to ride. And I, I think that a, a lot of this problem, besides just obviously language barriers, is also there's kind of a, a wide variance in education as far as like how many jockeys are aware of like what they should be looking for in, in themselves to determine whether or not they need to be examined to see if they've had a concussion or they don't necessarily know about, you know, why some of the um, recommendations for healing time exist and, and that kind of thing. So it really is a big task. Well, I'm sure they're going to be helped very much uh, by the Jockey Guild. From what I understand, uh, they're going to become uh, very much involved in it and uh, try to make sure that their existing members and all members kind of understand, you know, this isn't an IQ test. <laughs> we just got to go in there, yeah. find out what you know. So when you, you do take a knock on the noggin, we know what basic questions to ask you to make sure that, uh, you know, there aren't birds flying around your head like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> yeah, and concussion was, of course, like one of the big topics at the uh, the Jockey's Guild Assembly. I went to that uh, just in December uh, in Las Vegas. I hadn't been to previous years, so I'm not sure how long they've kind of been trying to encourage people to learn more about it, but that was definitely something they were concerned about. Well, uh, just a, a fantastic article, and obviously uh, you must feel great being uh, recognized by some of the top professionals in your uh area of expertise uh, at such a young age, quite frankly, Natalie, uh, that you're going to get an Eclipse Award. What's it feel like? <laughs> 
I still really don't know because it it still doesn't quite, I've been saying this for like two weeks, but it still just doesn't quite seem real. I mean, a lot of people, very accomplished people go their entire careers and should be given this recognition, but aren't for whatever reason. And so I really am beyond honored and just still kind of shocked to to have gotten it myself, but I'm, I'm extremely thankful. Okay. Well, listen, I haven't let the cat out of the bag, but I guess anybody that's been on your Facebook page and knows you personally knows that uh, you're married to one of my favorite guys in the business, daily racing form, breeding writer, none other than Joe Nevels. Joe's got to be awful proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I think he is. I think he was about as excited as I was, which was pretty excited when I found out. He's incredibly supportive and I appreciate him so much. Well, he's a great guy. I understand he's going to uh, d- take the trip down there. Uh, is he going to remember to take his ball cap off and put a tie on? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, it's it's probably <laughs> a good thing that I will be there to remind him to do that before he goes to the, uh, the black tie event there. Yeah, make sure he purchases one in Georgetown before he leaves, you know, because <laughs> I kind of know Joe. He's a great guy. He's very relaxed, and but he loves his favorite hats, and there, it's usually a ball cap and uh, not a top hat. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you, you carry him along because I want you two to be represented. And I pointed out earlier all the different outlets, and there's a lot of them. Uh, they're going to be showing the Eclipse Award live, so it'll be uh, really neat uh, to, to, to witness it in person. And looking forward to you getting up on stage. Uh, I'm sure you'll represent the Pollock Report very well. As you know, you're one of two people uh, from that publication that won an Eclipse this year. But, Natalie, you've come so far so fast. I look forward to uh, seeing uh, many more uh, awards banquets down the road. Uh, you're doing a great job, and so is Joe. Tell him I said hi, and have a just enjoy it. Take it all in and have a great time down at the Eclipse Awards. Well, thanks, John. I will absolutely do that. Okay, we've been talking with Natalie Voss, who is going to get an Eclipse Award for her abilities at writing coming up down at Gulfstream Park. Again, uh, you can see the uh, Eclipse Awards at numerous outlets. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to be tapping on the phone of my friend Rich Ng from Las Vegas, also the uh, author of a book that he dedicated to me by the title of Racing for Dummies. And uh, we're going to take a look at uh, the races at Santa Anita and the fairgrounds in the second portion of our interview with Rich Ng. So once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, Natalie Voss for joining us. And we're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, then with me right now, no stranger to you listeners at Winning Ponies, Rich Eng. He's a horse racing columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal, author of Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies and the Guide to U.S. Casinos and Racinos. And don't forget, uh, write this down. You can follow Rich at Rich Eng, E-N-G, the number four pro pick on Twitter. A lot happening right now, Rich, and uh, you're going to be in the thick of it. The National Handicapping Championship is going to be in your backyard. How you been? Yeah, doing really good, John. Uh, great to talk with you again, and uh, happy New Year to all the your listeners out there. I know this is kind of a, a period of a lot of transitions, including our uh, new president starting uh, tomorrow, and uh, congratulations to you on your new position, uh, and uh, I look forward to a lot of progress on your behalf, and Hopefully, Mr. Trump's behalf, too. Absolutely. Well, um, I, you just kind of let it slip when I talked to you uh, off mic earlier uh, that you also head up the Daily Racing Forum office uh, out there in Vegas. Yeah, we have a, uh, a distribution office in Las Vegas that takes care of uh, all the casinos in Las Vegas, uh, uh, up in Reno and Tahoe, uh, Laughlin, and uh, also sends papers out throughout certain venues in the, the Southwest, but, uh, yeah, I, I run that too. I run multiple hats. And I guess one thing I, I had forgotten to mention to you is, uh, you know, the, uh, review journal actually stopped printing my selections in the newspaper last January after, uh, after 18 plus years, John. So well, you still uh, put it actually... on your email. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so posted I, on not... the email you sent me, you know, what am I supposed to work from? <laughs> it's my fault, not yours, believe me. But uh, I just just to let your listeners know, in case uh, uh, you know they have followed me in the the RJ for all these years, is uh, I am doing the selection still for Southern California, and I'm actually selling the picks through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Ralph Sirocco, with his RacedayLasVegas.com website. You know, he does the radio show, of course, but he's also got a website, and uh, my picks are available to be purchased for there for uh, six dollars a day, and it's literally. Uh, spelled out as it sounds, racedaylasvegas.com. So uh, that's a that's a new venture. That's uh, you know I've got a, a nice list of uh, subscribers, many hundreds of subscribers, and uh, uh, I stay in touch with all of them through blast emails and stuff like that. So well, it's uh, it's worked out okay. Well, now working for the forum, though, it's kind of a double-edged sword, Rich. I know you're a heck of a handicap, and you're the type of guy that could become eligible to uh, compete in the national handicapping championship. Um, I guess because you work for the forum, you can't, uh, well, you can compete, but you can't uh, take away the riches should you uh, hit one of the top spots. Uh, that is true. The uh, Daily Racing Forum is an original sponsor of the NHC, so this is the 18th year coming up, and uh, they sponsored every single one, and uh, employees, it's, it's similar to like, you know, some of these contests in which uh, a participating sponsor, uh, you know, if you're an employee, you cannot participate uh, with the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, I think there's an employee handbook that says you can actually play, but if you win money, you have to donate it all to charity, which is, you know, 
a noble thing, I guess, if you can afford to do that. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that there are some tournaments that are not sponsored by the Daily Racing Forum, uh, just to remind you folks, uh, I did win a tournament back in the 2003 called the Championship at the Orleans, and uh, me and my partner, Lou Filoso, we, we cut up a six-figure amount. But uh, that was a tournament that I could play, John, and uh, fortunately the, the horses ran real good for us that week. Yeah, I forgot to ask you for a loan back then. I know that money's long been spent, I'm sure. Uh, well, Rich, uh, what's uh, what's uh, h- how does the buzz go? How does everything work? I mean, uh, since you're going to be part of it, and I know there's a lot of different moving parts with the, the NTRA and different people involved in, in setting up the actual uh, uh, tournament. Will you, will you have a role of making things go? Uh, t- tell me how, how it happens. Well, I'm a racing form liaison for, you know, a lot of the local stuff. Uh, certain people will be coming in from the New York office to, you know, help assist because uh, there's there's just all kinds of duties that uh, the form does other than just, you know, dollar amounts for sponsorship. Uh, the uh, NTRA people will be showing up actually on the 21st, which is tomorrow. That's not tomorrow, Saturday. And they'll actually uh, be coming by our office. We've got all the materials actually in storage for them so they'll pick it up bring it over to the uh, treasure island and set up the uh meeting room and all the computers and stuff like that a lot of people who are already uh, qualified to actually like to come in early john and get squirted away and you know, get situated the treasure island is the host the uh, casino hotel but uh, uh if they're not uh, if the rooms aren't ready for them uh, that early out they'll you know they'll stay somewhere else until the um, the t- the TI rooms kick in, but um, it's it's a busy week. We supply literally thousands of racing forms, complimentary to all the players, and uh, it's it's really uh, you know a, a fun environment to be in. I, I've been to actually all of them because I've been out here in Vegas for all eighteen years, and all eighteen of them have been held in different Las Vegas casinos. The Treasure Island has been a fabulous host the last few years. They've done a great job. And uh, Tony Neville is their racing sportsbook director. Uh, I'll just let your listeners know that if they go to Las Vegas and they're looking for a good book to play at, uh, Tony Neville's book at the Treasure Island, the TI, is, a, is an outstanding uh, place to go. Yeah, I've, I've been there, and it, and it really is. Wow, 18 years, Rich. It seems like yesterday I was covering the spiral stakes for you. <laughs> I remember those days like it was yesterday. You and me and Don Barbarino or Al Siraco, Jeff Picaro, and many others. But uh, believe it or not, uh, John, I'm starting my 20th year as the horse racing columnist for the RJ out here. So uh, to some degree, maybe someone will send me a fake uh, fake pocket watch or something to commemorate that. <laughs> They certainly should. Well, listen, before we get on to handicapping uh, our, our races, I just want to get, get your read. I mean, being, you know, a guy who concentrates so much of his handicapping and uh, you've gotten to watch a, a lot of the big stars that are going to be up for the Eclipse Awards are coming out of your neck of the woods. Uh, uh, let me let me throw it at you right now. Horse of the Year, Arrogate, California Chrome, or Songbird? Well, I went for California Chrome. It was a... It was uh, actually not as close a call for me personally. Uh, I, I gave him my top vote. I went for uh, Arrogate second. I went for Songbird third. And the, the, the re- my reasoning is the fact that even though Arrogate won their one meeting between the two horses in the Breeders' Cup Classic and just really a, just a phenomenal horse race, I'm sure your listeners have had a chance to see it. But, the, you know, they don't give you any uh, requirements as far as 
you know, what the category actually means. It's almost kind of like you have to, you know, uh, <clears throat> what you sense is, is the right direction to go in. And, you know, in a 12-month calendar year for California Chrome, his resume is just, it's, it's horse of the year caliber. I mean, he did lose the, the only race of the year. Uh, the only race that he lost was to Arrogate, but, you know, he won the Dubai World Cup. He won the Pacific Classic. He, he just, you know, up and down. It, it, it is a championship uh, campaign that he had. And I thought just the overall quality of it was just, just a little bit better than those two races for Arrogate, which were the, the Travers. He won by about 15 lanes and, and the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the body of work and you look at the whole history and the fact that we're getting to see a Kentucky Derby winner as a five-year-old, I mean, California Chrome gets my vote, too. I've got to admit, though, let's rewind the tape to the Breeders' Cup Classic. It almost looks like... Mike Smith kind of schooled Victor Espinosa. As you know, Espinosa spent the better part of a quarter mile looking over his shoulders, trying to find who was coming. And did you notice that like a race car driver, Mike Smith kind of drafted in right behind him. So he really didn't see him coming wide. He really didn't see him sneaking up on the rail. And he banged him over the head when the time was right. <laughs> you know, these top jockeys, you know, it's hard to criticize them because they have to make split-second decisions, and they've been in these really pressure situations more than once. You know, um, Mike Smith, for example, uh, he got the better of Victor that day, but, you know, you can go back to when the Zenyatta lost by an inch to a blame. Uh, Mike took, you know, basically he said, blame me for the loss, not Zenyatta. But, you, you know, you, you do the best you can. You have to make split-second decisions. I think Victor will probably ride California Chrome a lot differently uh, in the Pegasus World Cup, I really think he, you know, because he listened to all the criticism about just looking left, looking right, looking between his legs, stuff like that. I think he's going to be a lot more aggressive, maybe even try to open up, you know, at the top of the stretch and, and basically play catch me if you can. Yes. Uh, a jockey from another era that uh, I would recommend that, that used to do that all the time and uh, would, would, would get every inch of every drop of energy out of a horse would be like Angel Cordero. He would just open up and then make you come get him. Absolutely. Okay, real quick. Uh, the good thing is is that despite uh, the fact that I believe California Chrome is going to get it, it looks like both Arrogate and Songbird will win their respective divisions for an Eclipse Award. Just want to get a quick read on you in one division that I think you could make a case for all three of them, and that's the female turf horse, Lady Eli, Miss Temple City, and Teppin. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to find it in uh, my uh, my uh, column that I wrote. Actually, I put all my top choices in a column uh, dated uh, December 29th. But uh, as far as uh, who I went for, I went for Teppen as my top female grass horse. And that was a really close category. I mean, you know, I, I can't argue with the other uh, horses that you mentioned. But, again, you know, I'm looking at the entire resume from front to back. And, uh, you know, races won early in the year. I, I, I give as much credit as races won late in the year, too. Uh, absolutely. And plus, you know, what she did with her campaign. I mean, she's certainly not somebody that had to uh, carry her racetrack with her. Uh, you know, she was she was just all over the place. And of course, the, you know, the, the great story too, the comeback of, of Lady Eli. And let's face it, Miss Temple City, she didn't duck anybody all season long. But uh, for some reason, I've got to agree with you. Uh, I'd, I'd have to give the, the slight nod to, to tapping in there. So, uh, okay, well, we, we kind of zoomed in on the uh, 
bigger uh, Eclipse Award uh, uh, categories and uh, the stories that go along with them. Rich, I'll tell you what. Let's take a little bit of a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to take a quick look at a short field from Santa Anita in the Santa Monica, grade two. And then we're going to go down to New Orleans for a couple uh, points races, uh, young horses stretching out, trying to get mm-hmm. into the Derby and Oaks uh, in, at the fairgrounds in New Orleans. So with that said, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Rich Ng, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. If I had a with me, Rich Ng from Las Vegas. He wears a lot of hats, and there's a lot happening out there. But uh, like I said, his forte is uh, covering the Southern California racing. And while they're giving out $200,000 and rated award in the Santa Monica, for some strange reason, the race only drew five horses. I love long races. It's such a unique uh, distance. So I always try to look for horses that, you know, have won at the distance because it's kind of unique. Uh, it, it's a, it, it, a, a short field. There's definitely some class in there, but as we spoke off air, if, if you look at class and, uh, you know, the ability to run consistently against graded states horses, I think you've got to give the nod to Mike Smith and Finest City who uh, put in an outstanding race in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint back to Santa Anita. This will be his first start since that race where uh, he fought off Wavell Avenue, uh, the winner from a year before, I believe, uh, to get up by uh, three quarters of the length, strangely, at odds of almost nine to one. So, uh, is this finest city's race to lose? Well, I, I think she's the deserving favorite. Um, uh, well, you know, one thing that uh, we saw uh, about a week ago when there was a lot of rain hitting uh, Santa Anita and, and all the turf races were coming off and they switched everything to the main track was uh, the track superintendent uh, basically sealed the racetrack and it became pretty firm, John, and um, speed was doing real well and not necessarily every horse was wire to wire but it really helped to be forwardly placed uh, some of the jockeys pulled the old trick and I, I know you've seen it a bunch of times they try to find where the tire tracks are 
in the um, in the stretch, and that that's even a firmer ground because the tires go over the same part of the track over and over again uh, between races. So that's a little uh, that's a little jockey uh, uh, edge that uh, they utilized. But you know, I was kind of surprised that uh, we didn't see a horse or two shipping in from the Midwest or the East Coast because the, some of the shippers from back east, John, have done very well in Southern California. I think you can put a ring around someone like uh, Graham Motion. He's had a lot of success lately shipping horses out to Southern California and, and competing, be it on the grass or on the main track. But nobody shipped out for this. I think the race has to go through Find the City just on class alone. But, you know, a, a horse had really disappointed last time, but she, she's got quality is the four fantastic style. She got uh, she ran, quite frankly, a pop-and-stop effort off a, a long layoff uh, in the Kluke and Queens went off at one to two and finished out of the money losing to Bad Juju. But if you look at some of her other races on her resume, she has a lot of speed, she has a lot of class, and maybe just something happened that day that uh, uh, that Doug O'Neill can uh, rectify in this spot. Absolutely, you know Mike Smith and uh, Finest City look like the one to beat, and it's going to be hard to get a big price. But maybe if you're making extended bets, Santa Anita, this one you put a ring around Finest City. Well, let's go way down yonder to New Orleans and the Silver Bullet Day. While it's not graded, some good horses have come out of this race. Uh, it's $150,000, uh, but these uh, fillies will get uh, 10 points towards the Kentucky Oaks. And, uh, you know, it brought together a, a pretty big field. Um, I, you know, but going over the, uh, of course, the internet, and, and I saw something earlier that said that Saints fan may be out. Uh, so I don't know if, if you've got any information on that, but let's face it. The story in Silver Bullet Day is the quick rise of a horse by the name of Untap, who is a full sister to champion and Kentucky Oaks winner, Untappable. Well, I, I, I tell you what, she uh, came with a great reputation, and uh, she's been carefully handled by the Asmussen Barn for the Winchell Thoroughbreds, and uh, her last two wins uh, have been against uh, horses that, quite frankly, she just pulverized. Now she gets a little bit of a test for class. I tell you what, if you like her, uh, this is a race where if you can get fixed odds at 9-5, to five, you're going to lock it in right now because uh, <laughs> I think her odds are going to be closer to the 1-2 to two than the 9-5 to five morning line. Absolutely, and again, it's a Winchell homebred uh, by, by Tappet out of Broodmare of the Year, uh, a fun house, uh, and you've got uh, this guy that's just in a whole other zone. I know you've been watching him over the last year. What, what, what do you say about this guy, Florent Giroux? Well, his agent is a, a, a friend of both of ours, Doug Bradar, and yeah. you know, it's, it's a great story because you know they've been together for quite a few years, and it's taken them like you know, four or five years to become an overnight sensation. But they stayed loyal to one another. They, they slowly built their business up, and it really just exploded the last year and a half. And now, he, you know, he's one of the go-to jockeys, uh, not just in the Midwest, but he's, you know, Doug and, and Florent have, have picked up clients uh, east and west. So uh, he, he travels for major stakes races. Great success story in horse racing, and um, uh, couldn't happen to nicer guys. No, it really kind of uh, 
shadows the story of Julian Le Peru. I remember when he was walking around Turfway Park looking for an agent, you know, and he couldn't, couldn't find wow. one. And uh, finally picked up, I believe, Steve Bass, who was a former writer. And, uh, you know, look where, uh, f- you know, Julian is right now. And uh, for some reason, these uh, these French writers have really taken off. Of course, they're awful good on the grass. He says this will be a mile and 70 yards. But Asmussen has the horse. They say that uh, untapped is a little bit different than untappable. Untappability had a uh, little bit of more of an attitude. It was a little bit harder to, to work with. And they say untapped is a little more relaxed, uh, you know, a little easier to work with. And it sure looks like, you know, he's progressed with her, you know, very well. Well, has already won at a mile and 70 yards at the fairgrounds. Uh, now, the other horse that's been here is here is Farrell. And I'll tell you what, uh, Wayne Catalano, uh, I love the guy. You know, he's, he's had ups and downs. He's had guys, uh, you know, fill him up with good horses. He's trained Eclipse Award winners. And then somebody, for whatever reason, will take horses away. He's teamed up with his son-in-law, Channing Hill. And uh, Farrell will be making his first start of the year. Uh, It was a Churchill Downs home-based horse. But uh, it won the grade two goldenrod. And uh, so obviously it's had experience over the Churchill Downs strip. Obviously they're probably pointing towards the Kentucky Oaks. This is where you start getting your points. But does Farrell look like the main threat to you for untapped? Well, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it was going to be a strong second choice, Stephen Lee Farrell. Uh, the Goldenrod was uh, was a decent field, and, and she just destroyed them. So, uh, you know, she's, she's not being tested for class. She has shown her class, so she's definitely the second choice. Uh, if I could maybe throw out a third throw a third horse out to your listeners and maybe throw in the gimmicks. Uh, I don't know if this horse can actually win, but I think this horse has a chance to, to is moving in the right direction to me. It's the number two horse, Gree Gree, uh, with uh, James Graham. Uh, I think this horse uh, runs uh, has run some pretty good races. Was chasing Farrell uh, two back, came out of that same golden rod, and uh, this horse looks to be uh, a good closer type, kind of one of those pick-up-the-pieces type. So at 8 to 1 in the morning, all in all, I'll recommend that horse to throw in with the others, maybe to add some spice to the gimmicks. I wouldn't argue with you. And you know what? I love seeing the renaissance of of Bernie Flynn. Uh, you know, he kind of almost disappeared there for a little while. And last year, he won a couple of graded stakes. Uh, he, he's, he came back to an 18% clip. And so horses are coming to Bernie again. I know he's not killing them down in New Orleans where to be a, a cop, but, uh, you know, it would be kind of neat. It makes for a great story. I, I've always loved him. He's a real character. Of course, when you're uh, raised in New Orleans and work there, you become a character whether you want to or not. Okay, we got about two minutes left, Rich. Going to throw the LeCompte at you, a uh, grade three. This is the boys' version. They're going to get derby points here. Uh, find out that uh, it looks like a, a field of seven will be going to post a rather early evenly matched. Steve Asmussen uh, could be holding a heavy hand uh, with uh, this race, too. He's untrapped uh, for uh, Michael Langford. Horse I've been uh, attracted to uh, is the other Asmussen horse who's listed at 12 to 1 in totality. Uh, who catches your high in here? Because it's pretty open. Yeah, it is kind of open. I watched the morning line favorite is like nine to two that that untrapped horse, and, it, and this is we're talking about a twelve horse field. So, uh, you know, the line maker had a difficulty trying to figure out 
who's ended up taking all the mojo uh, in the betting. But I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at some of the outside horses that uh, might possibly wake up. Uh, I'm real interested in, in seeing how the nine running mate at 10 to 1 for Larry Jones stretches out around two turns for the first time. But, you know, I have been impressed by uh, his sprint races. And, uh, you know, you guys, if you're going to try to make the Kentucky Derby, you got to try two turns soon enough. And so this is a test for that to try it's a creative cause trying to go around two turns, but uh, has shown some ability sprinting, that's for sure. Uh, another horse I'm, I'm taking a look at is uh, maybe the 12 Saints fan, uh, Dallas Stewart, owned and trained. This horse uh, has shown some good closing ability, two for two. Uh, Louisiana bred, also stretching out around two turns for the first time, the tail of a caddy. And uh, maybe uh, another horse I'll, I'll take a peek at is the 11 pat on the back at the 12 to 1. Uh, kind of ran a, an odd race in the Delta jackpot, uh, made a big middle move and then kind of, uh, you know, dropped back late to Kenny McPeak, the trainer. But interesting to note is that in the first six races, no Lasix. First time Lasix uh, in this race at the fairgrounds of the Cobb. Sometimes that's a, that's a big move up for a horse, first time Lasix. Absolutely, and uh, interesting enough, another thing besides the first-time Lasix is they returned to Dylan Davis, who rode this horse in its first six races. Yeah, and you know, even though the horse is New York bred, believe me, uh, don't don't be discouraged by that. The New York bred program has grown by leaps and bounds, especially with uh, you know a lot of the casino money coming into the into the program. New York breds are very very strong, and uh, this horse could bounce back at a, at a big price. Yeah, I remember in New York, bred by the name of Funny Side. I think he won a f- big race on the first Saturday of May <laughs> a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, that that really does. So many programs, state programs, have gotten healthy is that, uh, you know, that, that that doesn't seem to be a knock anymore. A good horse can come from anywhere. That would be pretty cool uh, for Saints fan. How about this? Owned, bred, and trained by Dallas Stewart, who's got uh, you know Louisiana connections himself. Uh, that would be very interesting. But again, th- for some reason, I feel that there's a cloud or a question mark over when, whether or not he's going to go to post. So anyhow, I'll let that be for now. Rich Ng, thanks so much for joining us. I know you're going to be a very busy man in, in the days ahead. Always enjoy uh, ha- having you on the show, and I uh, wish you nothing but the best. Hey, thank you, John, and if any of your listeners are coming out next week for the NHC and uh, would like to say hi to me, uh, I'll be walking the room. I'll be easy to spot. All right, he will. All right, we were talking with Rich Ng, one of my favorite people in racing and a great guy, and also the young up-and-comer Natalie Voss, winner of uh, the new Eclipse Award for her abilities in writing. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to remind you of some big races, a series of stakes at Gulfstream Park, not to mention the races we just uh, mentioned. Oaklawn Park's open now. The fairgrounds is open now. Pull down those easy win forms from winning ponies. So I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.